0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Again, I appreciate all of you that have gone out of your way to let other people know about the podcast. Uh, we continue to see traction being gained in a lot of different countries, countries that I never would have imagined uh, would be hearing these particular podcasts. But I want to thank all of you that have gone out of your way to let friends and uh, other leaders know about them. Hey, before we get going, um, over the next couple of weeks, I have a couple of things that uh, I will be involved in that I think could be a help to some of you in your leadership journey. I have a roundtable that will be happening in Kansas City, and uh, if you're around the Kansas, Missouri area, I think that this would be a great event for you. I'm doing it uh, with a fellow pastor named Scott Wilson, and he's just dynamic, and I think that you would enjoy it a whole lot. And that's just in a couple of weeks. You can go on my website, Gerald Brooks Ministries, and there's a way you can locate and sign up for that. Also, I will be doing another roundtable in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And that's one I'm really looking forward to. We have a unique set of leaders that are going to come and participate in that. And I think that uh, that'll be a a high impact event. And so if you're in either one of those areas uh, around the Columbus, Ohio area or any of the surrounding states or Uh, Kansas City uh, or Kansas City, Missouri, whichever one, uh, come and join us in Kansas City, and I think that uh, you'll enjoy it a whole lot. Hey, today I want to do part two of five keys to lasting in leadership. Part two of five keys for lasting in leadership, and one of the things that those of you who have heard me communicate know that I never judge things by a day, by a week, by a month, by a year, but I judge them over a long period of time. Because Jesus said that I've not only ordained that you bear fruit, but that your fruit remain. And we know that uh, in Robin, Robert Clinton's book, uh, The Making of a Leader, and then uh, some of his teaching he did at uh, Fuller, uh, he states that there are 300 leaders in the Bible, and out of those 300 leaders, only 25% of them finished in the will of God. Now, that's just a a sobering fact right there, that most people who lead don't end up leading in a way that at the end of their life, they are reflective of what God intends and wants. And so for me, lasting in leadership was as equally important as any other goal that I've ever had in leadership. And so we're talking about five keys. The first one that we gave was uh, that you get to be an example. In First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, um, Paul writes to a young leader and he says, Don't let anyone despise your youth. Leadership isn't an age factor. Let's just make that clear. It's not about how young you are or how old you are. There's nothing wor- worse than someone who says, I've lived a long time, therefore listen to me. Just because you've lived a long time doesn't mean that uh, you've become a leader in anything. On the other hand, you can be young and robust and you can have great energy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a leader. But Paul writing to this young kid said, but be thou an example. See, I think if you're going to take a leadership journey, one of the things that you have to come to terms with is that leadership isn't about what you do as much as it is about what you become. See, I'll have people walk up to me and say, well, what do I need to do to be a leader? Leadership isn't an action that is sort of lived out on its own, though leaders do have action, in fact, have a bias for actions, but leadership is about what you become. And Paul said, you young kid, I'm telling you right now, you have leadership capacity in you, but I'm telling you, become an example. And so uh, we talked about what that meant, and Paul basically referenced five things that he was to be an example in. And what he was saying to young Timothy was this, people are watching you. Uh, People watch us more than they listen to us, and people watch for qualities that many times we would overlook and think that's not a big deal. But those are the things that really make you stand out as a leader. Uh, we talked about the leader's devotion, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, giving attention to reading, uh, just having uh, a solid devotional time. And again, in leadership, the first person you have to lead is you. And a lot of people are very, very good at coming up with messages, but at the same time, the most important message isn't the one you give, it's the one you live. And so as a result of that, if you're going to be a uh, high-impact leader, then one of the things you've got to understand is that you've got to go deep. And we talked about the two sides of devotion, the dedication of your heart and then the discipline of your flesh. If you're going to uh, be a person who has a devotional habit, then you are going to have the dedication of your heart, God, I give myself to you and the discipline of your flesh. I'm not going to let this body define my future. I'm going to let you define my future. And so those two things are important. Today, we're going to move on, and we're going to deal with the last three equations, are the last three keys uh, to being an effective leader who will last over time. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, Paul says this, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. So number three is the leader's gift. It is the leader's gift. See, in life, God's gifted you at something. Everybody is gifted in something. Now, you may not think your gift is profound, but you are gifted. You may not think that your gift is amazing, but you are gifted. You may think that your gift is minimal, but you are gifted because the Bible makes it very clear that when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts to people like you, like me. You are gifted. Now, the difference between uh, a leader and non-leaders isn't the fact that non-leaders aren't gifted. It's that leaders make sure that they manage their giftedness, and they manage it well. And so the Bible talks about this giftedness that, that God's given you. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know it's there. I know that there's a gift that is profound from God that's in you. Now, let's just talk about gifts. Uh, gifts are the things you're naturally good at. They're where you can be lazy, but be good. And I say that lightheartedly because I'm good at certain things and I'm very, very good at certain things. I don't have to many times uh, spend a lot of time in those areas because I'm naturally good. Gifts are where you're naturally good. But what God says is don't neglect that gift. Just because you're naturally good at something doesn't mean that's as good as you can get at that. So I'm naturally good at a few things that I'm gifted in. But on the other hand, it would be easy for me, since I'm naturally good at those things, to say, well, I don't need to work on that. I'm just good at that. But what the Bible says is to give attention to that. It says pay attention, give some time to that, put some effort into that, because if you're naturally good at it, you can become supernaturally good. Good at it. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. You can become supernaturally good at this. But in the Bible, we're given a lot of examples of people who were gifted who didn't pay attention to their gift, who at times neglected their gifts, and because they didn't pay attention to their gifts and neglected their gifts, even though they were good at something, they didn't have the profound effect that God wanted them to have. So let me give you some examples, and let me give you the lesson. How about if we go into the New Testament, someone who knew Jesus pretty well, Her name was Martha. Remember the two sisters, Mary and Martha? Well, Martha is an example of someone who had a gift, but she lacked priorities. She had a gift, but she lacked priorities. See, remember when Jesus came to her home and Mary sat at Jesus' feet and she was busy serving? Can I tell you, she was probably really, really good At hospitality. She was probably really good at organizing big events. She was probably really good. Why? Because that was her gift. She immediately responded with her gift. But here's the thing. She responded with her gift, but she lost sight of the priorities. And because she had a gift without priorities, what Jesus said is, Martha, you are worried about so many things. But what Jesus was basically saying, when you have a gift, but you lack priority, you end up burning out. And so in Martha, we see a gifted person who lacks priority of what really is important at a moment, and they're on the verge of burning out. Let me talk to you about another example of gifts, and that's in uh, the church at Corinth. Remember First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, uh, the letters to them that Paul wrote? Well, one of the things that he says in Corinthians is that you come behind in no good gift. What was he saying? He says, you guys are gifted in everything. In your church, you've got all the gifts. You've got all the natural talents, ability, supernatural talents. But he also looked at these people and he said, guys, when it comes to your gift, the head doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. He said, you don't say to the hand, you're not important. And he said, even the least or the unremarkable parts of your body, they all are appreciated and esteemed because if you cut off your little toe, it doesn't matter that it's little, you're going to limp. Now, all that being said was that he said they had gifts, but they lacked perspective. And so, in Martha's case, she had a gift, but she lacked priority, and therefore she was prone to burning out. The Corinthians had a gift, but they lacked perspective, so they were prone to missing out. And so, each case, they had gifts. Let's go through another one. How about Timothy himself? Remember what Paul is going to say to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and in verse 6? He's going to say, stir up the gift that is inside you. Well, what does that mean? That word stir means to uh, sort of stoke the fire. It means to rekindle. It means to make something hot, to make something burning. And what it seems like was Timothy was a very gifted young man, but he lacked passion. And even though he was gifted, he didn't have the passion that was really a part of the gift. And so what Paul said to him is it's not that you're not naturally good at something, that you can't be supernaturally good at something, it's that you just lack the passion, you lack the fire, you lack the flame. And so in Martha's case, um, her gift had no priority, so she is going to burn out. The Corinthians' gifts lacked perspective, so they were going to miss out. Timothy's gift lacked passion, so he was going to give out. And then let's talk about the Apostle Paul himself. The Apostle Paul is so clear throughout the book of Acts about his giftedness. And one of the things that he said was that, I must preach the gospel also. And he referred to going to Rome. And what he recognized that because he was a Roman, uh, He had unique ability to get to the highest echelons of the leaders in the entirety of Rome, to be the one who was going to plant the seed in the highest, greatest leaders of all of Rome. Now, one of the things that he says in Acts chapter 20, when Agabus the prophet illustrates that he's going to be bound and he's going to basically be thrown into jail Paul said this, none of these things move me. He said, they don't bother me. I'm not thrown by that. Why? Because he was gifted, but his gift had a purpose. And when your gift lacks purpose, you tend to wear out. But in Paul's case, what did he say? He said, none of these things move me, and that I might finish. I might Finish my course with joy. So gifts without priority, burnout. Gifts without perspective, miss out. Gifts without passion, give out. Gifts without purpose, you wear out. And how about Samson? Now there's a gifted guy. This guy had the ability to do things that were just amazing natural feats to literally tear the gates off a city and we're not talking about your backyard gate we're talking about the security of a city and he could tear those down and his ability to do those kind of things but what do we know about Samson whatever he saw he wanted so when he saw uh, a lady who was not of his ancestry and his background he just told his dad go get her wow Isn't that a sorry statement? The idea that it's a woman, therefore I just go get her. Well, that just speaks on so many levels, but let's just take it here. He was only to find a a wife from his kindred, but he went beyond that. So in his case, what we find is gifts without principles, they cause you to strike out. So gifts without priority, you burn out. Gifts without perspective, you miss out. Gifts without passion, you give out. Gifts without purpose, you wear out. Gifts without principles, you strike out. Why are all these things important? Because we are not to neglect our gift. We're to make sure that it has priority, perspective, passion, purpose, and principles. That's key number three. Key number four, the leader's diligence. In First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress, your diligence may be evident to all. What is diligence? Diligence is the ability to do what you have to do when you don't want to do it. See, diligence is the ability to do what needs to be done when you don't want to do it, when you don't feel like doing it. That's the reason it's diligence, because it deals with the fact that in all of our lives, there's times when we just don't want to do it. Now, in diligence, it usually comes into play in three areas. It comes into play when it comes to your emotions, your time, and your energy. See, diligence gives you emotional stability. So when you don't feel like it, you still do it. Emotion gives you discipline when it comes to your time. And so what you do is that diligence helps you to use your time in the areas where you're going to get the greatest payoff. And so, when you're diligent, you know that you've got to invest time in certain things. And if you don't have diligence, you say, Well, hey, I'm just not going to do that. But when you have diligence, you invest the time. And diligence is the ability to use your air energy in areas that may not be personally fun. So, diligence isn't accidental, it's intentional you don't stumble into diligence. You don't just wake up one day and you become diligent. You don't happen into it by chance because diligence is a choice. Diligence is the choice you make to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done regardless of how you feel when you're doing it. And so diligence for a leader is so important because when we choose diligence, it ends up becoming a blessing to others. See, when I'm diligent, I become a blessing. When I'm not diligent, I become a burden. And you're either one of those two things. You're either a blessing or you're a burden. And it all comes back to diligence. Will you be diligent? See, leaders choose to pay the price personally, before asking anyone else to ever pay the price. One of the things that really gets out of hand in leadership is when leaders are asking others to do what they are not willing to do. Now, let me clarify that. I don't do every job of every team member who is a part of my organization. But here's what I can tell you. There's no one who does any job in my organization that is going to put forth more diligence than me. So I may not do the same job, but I do model the diligence for any job. That brings us to five. The leader's legacy. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. See, the ultimate test of leadership is whether people are better off if they follow you. Paul put it this way. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Man, that's a really gutsy saying. Follow me as I follow Christ. If people follow you, will they end up somewhere better because they did it? Will they end up, will their lives be better? Will heaven be better? Will the kingdom be better? Will people be better? Will they be better because they followed you? So, the test of leadership is whether people are going to be better off because they followed you. Are their lives going to be changed? And then, are they changing other people's lives? See, if you're a leader, your life should change other people's lives and their lives should change more people's lives. That's why leadership is a multiplication factor. And so if you're going to be a leader with a legacy, you're going to have to understand three things. You have to stay on track. You have to stay on track. So when I stay committed to God and I stay committed to my calling in God, and I stay committed to grow in God, when I stay committed to those three things, I stay on track. The question is, if you will stay on track, you will finish well. And what God asks for us is not that we limp to the finish line, but that we break the finish line in full stride. Any of you that have ever played baseball, when you're running the first base and you know the plays at first base, you don't run to the base, you run through the base. Now, that being said, are you that kind of person that you're going to stay on track and when you finish, are you going to finish strong? Not only do you need to stay on track, but you have to stick it out. And that is that every leader is going to have many opportunities to just quit. To say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it any longer. I'm not going to do it anymore. Will you stick it out? And so, if you want to have a legacy life, you stay on track. You stick it out. And then you serve others. What have I said for years? When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. So in your life, what motivates your thought pattern? If it comes down to you and others, what are you going to do? If it comes down to you and the kingdom of God, what are you going to do? Five skills. You've got to be an example. You've got to have a strong devotion. You have to develop your gift. You have to learn how to be diligent. And you have to have a mindset that you're going to leave a legacy. So the leader's example, the leader's devotion, the leader's gift, the leader's diligence, and the leader's legacy. You know what I think? I think you've got all five of these. I think that you were created for such a time as this, and all five of these will be a part of your life. So I'm so proud of you, and I'm so thankful for you because you're making a difference in other people's lives. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for joining me with this podcast again. If you're uh, in the Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas um, If you uh, would just go to our website and sign up for the roundtable coming up, and then if you're around uh, Columbus, Ohio, maybe Kentucky, those areas around there, Pennsylvania, come and join us for the roundtable there. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much for helping me and joining me today.